0: Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. Um, but hey, we were talking about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit today. And Pastor Todd talked about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, which are different. Um, the fruits of the, of the Holy Spirit are what manifest in your heart and your life when you say yes to Jesus. You come and you get the Holy Spirit when you say, I, I, I'm giving my life to Jesus and I want him more than anything. Uh, but the gifts of the Spirit were given to the early church to strengthen and grow the early church. And so gifts have a different function. I had a birthday party for a five-year-old. Yesterday It's pretty awesome. Uh, it was a Mermaid Splash bash, okay? And uh, you know the, the theme has changed over the course of the last year because let me tell you something. Children, when was the last time Kennedy got gifts? Kennedy turned five, my daughter, if you don't know me, uh, she turned five yesterday. Last time she got gifts was at Christmas, right? When a bunch of people came and gave her gifts all at the same time. Best day ever, right? Okay, so you can imagine as a four year old brain or a four or five year old child, she's looking forward to the next time that happens. Well, her birthday isn't until August 24th, 23rd. And so what has she been talking about for the last nine months? Yes. Birthday party and gifts. We've been, we've been planning the party you guys for nine months. Like took, took, took longer than my wedding. No kidding. We've been planning this thing and she's been excited. And if any of you know, or if you have planned a birthday party for a child, you know that it's not about the theme. They could care less about the theme. They don't care about what they're gonna wear. They don't care about the decor. They don't care about planning. They don't care. They don't even care really who's there. Long as somebody comes and brings a gift, right? (laughs) I'm kidding. I think they care, but here's the deal. She has been talking about this and talking about this and talking about this. And so yesterday we had two hours to swim in the pool and do the whole party. And and what do you think she was asking me every five minutes? When can I open my gifts? Mom, can I open my gifts now? Mom. Mom. I've got all these gifts, can I open them now? And I'm like, honey, we just paid to rent this pool so that you could swim with your friends and enjoy the party. I said, baby, let's just wait. You'll get, we'll get to the gifts, okay? It's, it's all gonna be good. We'll get to it. And she's like, okay. Okay, and then she starts having fun. The day goes on. And finally, after cake, after we sing to her, she says, okay, can I open my gifts now? Everybody's laughing at this point because they've all heard her ask a dozen times. And so I said, okay, finally, you can open your gifts. And so I said, uh, here's this little, I made a little throne for her because she's the mermaid princess. uh, And she gets to open her presents in a throne. And so I bring all of her presents over to her. And I, I know further than one second beyond having her all of her presence here and I say okay you can start she's diving in right there's like there's like no time for mom to take notes for thank you notes I mean like I don't know who got her what I mean nobody's getting a thank you note not that they would anyway because I'm not good at that I just I just send a text with my face and say thank you that's my thank you note. But literally, she's tearing into the things. And as soon as she like, finds one gift, she holds it up to show everybody. And then she throws it back in the bag. And then she moves on to the next one and tears the next thing open. And I'm just like, <laughs> and everybody's wanting her to, they want to see her open their gift. And so they're like trying to see, but she's already moved on to the next one. Here's, about, here's the thing about my child. Um, not only does she open it up and show it to display, once she's done opening all of the presents and she knows what they all are, she takes the ones that she wants to play with now and she tears into the packaging. So the packaging for all the toys is all over the concrete at the pool and she's just getting into it. She's playing with her toys, she's using her toy. And I think that it's so interesting because a lot of times what happens is we get gifts like this, Does anyone know what this is? No, but it has a stick with wheels. Yeah, that's exactly what I said when I I saw her open it. I was like, "What is that? Like, what is that?" You know. And so, yeah, I kind of was like, like one of these things, you know? Like, like what was this called back in the day? The the horse, the horse, the horse on the stick. So I was like, I'm like, that's my best guess of this gift that she was given yesterday. I'm like, this is completely useless. This helps nobody. And here's the deal. This thing is probably gonna end up in her already cluttered, chaotic closet, collecting dust until, you know, two years later when I finally get around to cleaning and getting rid of stuff. Okay, but here's another gift that she got yesterday. Fancy schmancy, right? Fancy backpack. She just started TK on Wednesday. And so here's the deal about this gift. Y'all know what a backpack does, right? It's functional, okay? It opens up. You can put books in. You can take them to school. You can bring them home from school. You see, the function of this gift is important. This gift helps other people. This gift helps mommy. This gift helps Kennedy. This gift helps... Mrs. Lukashevsky, which if you can say that 14 times in a row, I will give you money because that's her teacher's name. I've been studying for a week just to say it right. So, so literally I'm looking at this gift. The same person got us the gift. It's, it's my younger brother. He, he, He gave them both in the same package. So he redeemed himself with the functional gift, the gift that actually helps somebody. Here's the deal. I think sometimes some of us have gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us, and they look more like this in our life, like we've shoved them in a closet somewhere, in our spiritual closets, and they're collecting dust. Nobody's benefiting from that. That ain't helping anybody. Look at that. Okay? It's pretty. It's pretty, but it's not doing anything. And then some of us don't even know what our spiritual gift is, but we don't know that there is a functional gift that the Holy Spirit has given us and that has put into our life that is meant to help other people. It is meant to serve and build the church. Paul is very specific about that, to build the church. You have gifts that are meant to strengthen and to encourage and to comfort the people in this room, outside of this room. And you have to be using those if you want to live a fulfilled life in Christ. I'm getting kind of heavy, so that's why I brought this and the weird unicorn stick. But really, I want to think, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've been praying about this because I really want us to let this word kind of go, seep into our hearts, because I think that the Lord wants to do something here in this church. He wants to do something in it through your life because you are a part of this church. You are the church. You are a person, and the church is built up of people. This is just a structure that that God has given us to gather in, and thank God that we have this structure. But you are the church, and you are God's vessel to strengthen and encourage and comfort one another. And so he has given you gifts to do so. You see, the background of of the Corinthian church, we're gonna talk about 1 Corinthians this morning. And that's the base text of this message. But the background of the Corinthian church was, um, they were a pagan culture. Before Paul got there, Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's the OG, okay? He's the old gangster, okay? If you don't know what that means. He is the man, okay? And so he has gone to Corinth where it's a completely pagan culture. They're worshiping idols, and he brings the message of the gospel. Okay, They accept the message of the gospel. They form a church just like this. What happens is, is for the church to grow, the gifts of the Holy Spirit had to be administered to each and every single member of the body, and therefore, and they had to start operating in those gifts because the church continued to grow in Corinth. And so he's addressing these people because now Now they've grown to such a size that they're starting to have squabbles with each other, where they're starting to have division over specific gifts that people got. And they're starting to elevate certain gifts over other gifts. And what happens is when you elevate one gift over somebody else's another gift, this somebody else doesn't feel connected to the body anymore because they don't feel like they're useful. They don't feel like their gift has a function, right? So when you elevate specific gifts over other gifts, then they start to feel like the unicorn stick. We're just gonna keep this up here, right? I feel like it's like a scepter and a sword and all things, you know? But let's talk about this. One thing that you have to understand is that the context of the Bible, if you're gonna understand how to read the Bible and let the Bible be ingested into your spirit, you have to understand context. And I think that's why so many people lose interest in the Bible, is because they don't understand the context of the story of what was happening. And so we read the Bible at face value. But this letter, what we're about to read, is actually a letter in response to a letter. The elders and the deacons of the Corinthian church were dealing with all this crazy, all this stuff, division, and they were writing letters to Paul feverishly because he was the one that planted the church. He's, he, you know, he started it, and so he has more wisdom, and so they're writing these letters. And so these things that you're about to read on the screens or in your Bible are a response to real issues that were happening in the church. So go to uh, 1 Corinthians 12 if you have it Uh, It's on the screens, but if you have it in your Bibles, I encourage you to get a pen out because we're going to write in our Bibles. So now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. You see, the gift of tongues is a heavenly prayer language that the Corinthian church received. But because of their background, Paul had to address the fact that they were kind of worried. See, some of them were a little bit like, what is that? This person's talking in a a language that I've never heard before. A heavenly language, not a native language. And so Paul had to address, first of all, their fear of what the Holy Spirit was giving. He said, therefore, I want you to know who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, or that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God will say Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So he's distinguishing between the right spirits, okay, for them. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Uh, There are different kinds of working, but in all men, all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. If you have that in your Bibles, I would highlight that or circle that. It's for the common good. You are given gifts to help other people. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between the Spirits, another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one, just as he determines." You see, I think the, the, the scholars believe, if they're studying the first Corinthians and they're studying the Corinthian church, the scholars believe that the, the division that was happening in the church was over elevating the gift of tongues versus the other gift. That's what they, that's what they tend to believe because he lists the, the gift of tongues lasts. And so Paul is addressing this squabble because um, some people in the Corinthian church were gifted in other ways than the gift of tongues. And so He's, and he goes on and he makes uh, this plea and he gives an analogy of the body, right? So I don't need, I have two eyes. We all have two eyes for the most part, right? Okay, I don't need 14 more eyes for my body to function. I need hands. My eyes need hands. My hands need my shoulders. My shoulders need my spine. My spine needs my legs. Do you see how it all works together? It's a body and every part is important to function properly. And so what the what the Corinthian church was doing was they were elevating tongues and they were de- elevating all of these other gifts. And so there was this division because all of everyone else, all the hands, okay, of the church were like, wait a second, God hasn't gifted me that way. What what am I supposed to do with this over here? I have the gift of craftsmanship. What am I supposed to do? They're saying it's not as important. And so Paul is saying, here's the deal. Your gifts are meant to function to serve other people. They are meant to strengthen and encourage and comfort the church. Gifts are for service, not status. 14, 1 Corinthians 14, this is how he, tell, he packages this up, and he says, this is how we're going to see the gifts, all of your gifts manifested working together as one. It says, follow the way of love. I mean, I feel like he could have just stopped right there. Because in 1 Corinthians 13, it's an entire chapter about how if you have not love, you are a banging symbol. You're, you're nothing. If you don't have love, but you have a gift that you can administer, it means nothing. You make no progress. And so he's saying follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to the people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them, and they utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. You see, he's not saying that tongues is bad, right? He's explaining that tongues is not bad, but tongues is about the individual believer, The edification of me. It's all about me. All about me. And he's saying, here's the deal. You were actually created not just to have your own personal relationship, but you were created to serve other people and tell other people about me. It's not just about you. So that's why he's saying, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but then I'd rather have you prophesy because prophesying is about other people. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Some of these gifts, you know, come with this level of mysticism, I think, um, that people kind of mistake as weird or, hmm, yeah, weird, I guess, would be the best word. You know, and um, some of us have had experiences where we've seen it out of order, which Paul also uh, directly addresses. There's order uh, in a worship service. Um, But... I'm going back to my point that gifts are for service, not for status. And so if you have a specific gift that you have been given, they are not for status. They are to serve the church, and they are to serve other people. When I say, when, when I say serve the church, I mean the church in some capacity and function, but I also mean serving other people because people are the church. Serving is not required for salvation or forgiveness. That's what you need to know. I'm talking about serving today, but it's not required for your salvation or for your forgiveness. All you have to do is say, please, Jesus, forgive me and come into my life. And that is a free gift of grace. Amen. That's free. So, it's, so serving's not required for that. I just want to make that clear. Serving's not required for you to be a part of a community. Really. You can come to a connect group and you can consume all of the biblical knowledge that you can. You can come to church on Sunday. That's great. And it's not required to serve. However, serving is required for God to use you and for you to experience his supernatural power, his supernatural provision, and his supernatural purposes. If you want to see something bigger and beyond what you are currently seeing, serving is required. I knew it was going to get quiet around there, but I was praying this week because like I said, there's been a tension in me about this message. Um... I was praying, and I said, God, how can I explain serving? Why serving is so important for the individual to know that, for their faith walk. Why, how can I explain this? And I feel like this is what the Holy Spirit sp- said to me. He said, serving is where my people see and experience me meeting their deeply personal needs of satisfaction and fulfillment and purpose through through building other people through teaching little people through helping other people you see he was explaining to me that our deepest need and for for fulfillment of purpose in our spirit is met through serving other people we all have this whole Oscar i hear, I hear Oscar in the back Oscar went 2 years in a row to build a home for a family in Mexico. Somebody that can do nothing for him, neither before nor after the house has been built. And he's never, I, I, I can see it on him when he's there, he's never felt closer to God. You will never get closer to the heart of God than when you are serving his people. I think that what I'm trying to say is that Paul was making this distinction between with men and women as well in the church. And I won't go into all that because that's a whole conversation that Pastor Bob and I had this week. Very good conversation. But Paul was saying that both men and women... When they came to church they didn't come just as consumers but they came as contributors. And so the question that I think that we have to ask as the church is what am not what am I getting out of church but what am I giving out at church? What am I giving out out of an abundance of love for God, knowing that what he did for me was so much more than I can ever do to to gain on my own or for anyone else, but what can I do? What am I giving out at church? And it shouldn't be out of a place of compulsion. It should not be out of a place of of, of a religious yoke on you feeling like, oh man, I gotta do this. It should not be that. But what I will tell you is that serving does require sacrifice. It'll require you to get up earlier on a Sunday morning, sometimes. It will require you to take a risk. And we're gonna talk about risk when we talk about some of these other gifts. It will require you to take a risk, sometimes. In 1 Corinthians 14, in the message version, I love how it says this. It says, So here's what I want you to do. He's telling them, This is what I want you to do. When you gather for worship, each one of you be prepared with something that will be useful for all. Useful, functional. Be prepared to give something to somebody that they can use for their encouragement, for their strengthening throughout the week. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story lead a prayer, provide an insight. Serving turns consumers into contributors. Yes. I just want to run through this gift, uh, gift list. This is a bunch of different spiritual gifts. And so if you want, you can take out your camera and take a picture of it, but I'm not going to go into all of this. But there's multiple gifts that I believe that God has gifted all of us with. Um, The first one is administration. There is apostleship. There is craftsmanship. I just want to shout out to Andy Hedman. Is he back there? Yes, he's back there, yes. Andy Hedman is the man, what Lucas said. But Andy spent all of Friday night. Do you guys like our new stage, by the way? Do you like the new screens that Lucas and Andy installed? So Andy spent his entire Friday night building these platforms with the gift of craftsmanship. He also, about a year ago, spent time and money remodeling both of our TC kids rooms. He installed the flooring, he helped build that slide thingy that our kids are enjoying. Uh, with the gift of craftsmanship. And now my child is learning about the fruits of the Spirit, and she's coming home and she's reciting the Beatitudes, okay? By by standing in that room and learning on those floors that he laid with his gift of craftsmanship. Do you see how every single part of the body is essential? It's essential to move the mission forward. Discernment. Evangelism. Exhortation. Faith. Giving. Giving. Healing, helps, hospitality, intercession, a word of knowledge is a gift. Leadership, mercy, miracles. I know I'm running right through these. Pastor, shepherd, maybe you have a heart to nurture other people and their personal needs. That would be a pastoral gift. Prophecy is the gift of divine strength or ability to communicate God's truth and heart in a way that calls people into a right relationship with him. Service. Teaching, tongues, and interpretation, a word of wisdom. These are all gifts that make up the body of Christ. And I want to encourage you if you've never had a spiritual gifts assessment, go to Next Steps. That's what Next Steps is for, guys. It's to help give you an idea of what God has given you to give to the world, to help somebody else. That's what Next Steps is. So go and take your spiritual gifts test. Number two. Gifts are for strengthening, not showing off. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move the mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing. So you can, this is what it tells me. You can have a gift, a spiritual gift and still not be effective. Cause if you don't love the people that you're serving, if you don't love the people that you're ministering to, you're basically like this. That's my best symbol. Impersonation. Nothing. That was nothing right there. And I think sometimes we can get into a place of serving, 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 and we don't actually love the people that we're serving. We can serve out of a, a place of compulsion, or um, we can say that we, di- we don't have time to serve because our schedules don't allow. And so I think we have to really remind ourselves that it, you have to follow the way of love. Right. Love is the starting point for every spiritual gift, okay, but I wanted to encourage somebody here today because the gift of prophecy that Paul talks about that 's one of those gifts that people can be intimidated by they can be intimidated and they can think, oh my goodness, it's like this like fire and brimstone guy that's gonna like beat them over the head with the Bible or some people are scared because they think that um, the the prophet or the pastor is gonna like read their mail, you know, and like tell it to everybody over like the loudspeaker. And here's what I wanna encourage you today. I've received prophetic words um, and they've always been right. By the way, I've shared my story before and I won't go into that. They've always been right, and they've always healed an area in me. Because what they did was it was, it was, it was God speaking through a man that I did not even know at the time, telling me about something that happened in my childhood, which I knew exactly what he was talking about. There would be no way of him knowing how to do it. And then there was an encouragement where he said, I want you to know that God sees you as a rare beauty and a rare pearl, and I know that there is something great inside of you that he wants to open up, and he wants to heal you in this moment. He didn't know exactly what happened, so it's not like he read my mail. He just knew that I was hurt because God knew I was hurt, and he wanted, God wanted to heal that hurt. And the, way that, the reason why God uses strangers sometimes or people that don't know our story is because God wants the glory. God wants the credit because he wants to be your source. He wants you to keep coming back to him. He wants you to keep coming to him for strengthening, for comfort, but God chooses to use people He chooses to use you. And for the church in Corinth to grow, they needed the gift of prophecy. They needed somebody to be able to hear from God to speak into somebody else's life. And we have to do that too, guys. If our individual lives are going to expand, if our church is going to grow, we have to start operating in some of these things. We have to start loving other people and encouraging them and, and listening to the Holy Spirit. I'd like the worship team to come and join me. And I have a quick story that I was hoping I could read to you. This is actually Pastor Bob's book. And if you're interested, I'm sure Pastor Bob can give you information if you want to read it, um, the rest of the book. But I wanted to take an excerpt from this book because Pastor Bob and his friend Mark wrote this book. Uh, It's called Reluctantly Supernatural in an Age of Reason. Um, And I think that that vision that I got this morning that just that just came to my mind um, about the barriers that have been erected in our lives and in our hearts are um, reason. It can be an age of reason where we're, we're trying to um, figure out what it is, uh, something that's spiritual. We're trying to solve spiritual problems with the natural mind. And um, this is where prophecy comes in and the gifts of the spirit come in because... We wanna fix spiritual problems with spiritual solutions. Some problems are too big for us to fix in the natural, and so we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. But Pastor Bob and his friend Mark were writing this book, and Mark is telling a story about when he went to the mall. And (laughs) this'll take, you have to take risks too if you listen to this. He went to the mall with a prayer partner and set up a table and had a sign that says, free prayer. Okay, can you imagine doing that? I mean, that takes some guts, right? It also takes some real faith to believe that God's gonna do something and God's gonna use you, but, so he did that one day and uh, set up this little prayer table and uh, I'm gonna start off writing or reading this story about this couple that he meets. It says, the next day I was scheduled to man our free prayer table in the mall. We set up a table right in the middle of the main walkway in the mall, and we wanted to make sure that everyone who passed saw our sign. (laughs) I tried to look harmless and loving. My partner for the day was a guy from church whose wife thought it would be good for him to go out and experience a few supernatural spiritual gifts. To be honest, there were not many who took us up on the free prayer offer until a middle-aged couple were walking toward our table. I saw that they saw our sign, and they saw that I saw that they saw me seeing them, seeing our sign. That's a mouthful, isn't it? I could see them hesitate and kind of look at each other. They were both waiting for a buy-in from the other. I decided to do a little selling, and I said, hey, what have you got to lose? I can't hurt. And so they came over, and they sat down, and I said, what would you like prayer for? And they said, we've found our dream house and we really want to buy it, but we haven't been able to sell our present house first and it has to sell or we lose the dream house. What an easy thing to pray for. So I gave them the spiel about not wanting to pray our prayer for them, but God's prayers for them. That's one thing too that um, is really a key to hearing from God and praying for people is you should be praying his prayers for them, not your prayers for them. And so... He said that we need to wait a minute or two. They were fine with that. Nothing came, like nothing came to his mind. It says, so I just prayed for their house to sell. In the middle of this prayer, though, a thought came to me. His ex-wife has been cursing and slandering him. I had no idea if he even had an ex-wife, but I decided to risk it and just give what I was getting. You see, sometimes thoughts will pop into your head, and into your spirit, that don't really make sense to you because you don't know everything. And that's a, a key part to remember. You don't know everything, but God does. So if God's putting something in your spirit that doesn't make sense, trust it and risk telling them. Because look what ha- look what happens when he risks sounding crazy to these people. I told him his ex-wife had been slandering him to his family and at his church and that as a result he was beginning to believe that he could not be a good husband to his new wife. The woman that was sitting beside him starts to cry saying yes, yes this is it. Then I told him that as a result of this cursing and slander he has begun to believe that he doesn't deserve his new wife and that maybe she is not God's will for him and that these thoughts are undermining his new marriage. At this point, they both came apart. They just wept. I went on to tell them that God says he is a good man and that with God's help, he is going to make a great husband and have a successful marriage, that they are God's gift to each other. We rebuked the lies that were trying to destroy his marriage and his intimacy with God. Do you see how the word that he gave him was not, it was not trying to destroy him. It was not trying to demean him. It was encouraging. That's the heart of our God. You see, he wasn't speaking anything in his own head. He doesn't know the guy. And frankly, it, has no, it had no effect on his own personal life, Mark's life, except to just encourage this other guy. So look at what happens. Then his partner, he said, My partner saw a mental picture of a train halfway across a very high railroad bridge between two cliffs. The interpretation came to me. They are in a time of change and transition between the past, which is the bad marriage, and the future, the new marriage, and that a new stability is coming. When we were done praying and prophesying over them, they were thrilled. This is what they said. We live way south of here, about 30 miles away, and have never been to this mall before. When we decided to drive all this way to this mall we didn't know why we wanted to come here it made no sense to us but we just wanted to come here and now we know why we felt we needed to come here everything you said to us is absolutely true and you have no idea what your words mean to us maybe that's you today maybe you don't know why you're here maybe Maybe you drove 30 miles out of the way, and you don't know why you're here. You don't know what prompted you to come here. I want to encourage you. God has something for you today. He wants to speak into your life, into your heart. And maybe you have been coming here every week for the past 50 years. The Lord still wants to speak to you. He has a new and a fresh word for your life, no matter where you're at. I'd like you to bow your heads, please.